Welcome once again to Lato's Law. Here's Steve Lato. I often talk about qualified immunity on this channel, and that, of course, is the idea that if you are a government official, people can't just sue you for doing your job. And on some levels, that makes sense, but the idea has been pushed so far that it's reached the absurd. So Philip sent me notes to Steve checks out. It happened a couple months ago, but it's something that I missed from BloombergLaw.com. Prosecutor not entitled to immunity in fabricated evidence lawsuit. The allegation is that the prosecutor fabricated evidence. And uh, when sued for that, he said, well, I can't be sued for that. I was doing that as part of my job as prosecutor. (laughs) And amazingly, a court on appeal has said, well, you know something, Uh, fabricating evidence is not part of your job when you're the prosecutor, and you should know that. So Bernie Pazanowski wrote this about a Louisiana prosecutor and a detective who both lost their bids for absolute immunity from a former murder defendant lawsuit, alleging that they intimidated a witness to adopt a narrative about the crime that they conjured from whole cloth. And this is the Fifth Circuit Court of Appeals writing about this. The prosecutor was acting as an investigator rather than an advocate, and thus is not entitled to absolute prosecutorial immunity, writes the judge. Police officers also aren't entitled to absolute immunity reserved for a prosecutor. So you'll notice here, they say the prosecutor was acting as an investigator rather than as an advocate. And so the prosecutor is supposed to be representing the state and presenting a case in court based on the evidence that's brought to him and so on. And they're saying instead of being just the advocate, he was also acting as an investigator, which is not part of his job. And it's certainly not part of his job to fabricate evidence. The uh, case involves a 1998 murder uh, that took place in Livingston Parish, Louisiana. It was a cold case until a jailhouse informant implicated this particular individual. Although that individual had an alibi, the district attorney and the detective allegedly intimidated a juvenile facing prosecution on other charges into testifying that he saw this man near the crime scene. And by the way, Anytime you see the phrase jailhouse informant, uh, that is fraught with peril because there are famous examples of people who would get in trouble and they would tell the prosecutors or whoever's listening to them that if you want me to, I'll go into that jail cell and I'll talk to that guy and I'll see what he knows about the crime that you've arrested him for. And they will often reward the jailhouse informant for getting a confession out of the guy in the jail cell. And there are famous cases where the jailhouse informant goes in, guy doesn't say anything, but he comes up and goes, yeah, he told me all kinds of stuff. And there have also been examples where people have told the jailhouse informant what they want the guy to say. We want him to say that he was near the intersection of 5th and 3rd (laughs) on the night of the crime. So the guy goes in the jail cell and the guy won't talk to him. He comes out and goes, guess what? He told me he's near the corner of 5th and 3rd. Apparently there's a bank there. So (laughs) the man was convicted for the murder and sentenced to death. But the U.S. Supreme Court overturned the conviction. Then the juvenile witness recanted his testimony. So when the man sued the two people for violating the civil rights by fabricating evidence, they both said they were entitled to absolute immunity. And what kills me here is that they didn't argue and say, we didn't do that. They go, we're we're entitled to immunity. 
And it's kind of like the police who are accused of stealing from someone's home. When they were accused of that, they didn't say we didn't steal. They said, oh, we're entitled to immunity. We're, we're, we're immune from lawsuits. And if someone came after me and said I'd done something vile and they wanted to come after me for that I, and I hadn't done it, the first thing I say is, I didn't do that. What are you talking about? You crazy? I did, I did not do that. I wouldn't say, oh, whether or not I did it, I got immunity. <laughs> so I'm always baffled by people who don't appear to protest enough. Absolute immunity applies only when a prosecutor is performing advocate functions, such as organizing, evaluating, presenting evidence, according to the U.S. Court of Appeals for the Fifth Circuit. The doctrine does not apply to investigatory functions such as gathering or acquiring evidence. Certainly wouldn't apply to leaning on a witness and asking them to make up stuff. So the two people, that is the prosecutor and the uh, investigator, detained and coerced the juvenile into testifying to a narrative that had no basis in any evidence gathered in the case, according to the court. So fabricating evidence is evidence creation, which is not part of the advocate's role. (laughs) I'm not supposed to make up stuff to help my client get off? That's bizarre. But a corruption of the investigator's function of searching for clues and corroboration. So some people are going to probably find this interesting, but obviously an attorney, prosecutor, defense attorney, whatever it might be, will get a file dumped on their desk and they'll go through it. And much of what they're doing will feel like an investigation because they're going through, they're looking for stuff, they're trying to figure out which makes sense, how does this fit in with that. And a lot of that does seem like detective work. But the second you go out and find a witness and say, I need you to change your testimony, okay, you're no longer doing investigatory work. That's something else altogether, if that's what you did. Um, but the case is called Weary versus Foster. And uh, that came down from the Fifth Circuit. So I assume what's happening now is we sent back down for trial. And the question now is, do you go to trial on something like this? Um, and I suspect the damages, if, if this plaintiff were to win, would be quite large because the man was imprisoned and sentenced to death. Now, obviously, that didn't happen. Uh, he didn't die. But the bigger problem is he spent a lot of time in prison. Spent a bunch of time in prison for something he didn't commit. And as you can imagine... Hearing somebody pronounce a death sentence for you would probably make you feel bad. Um, and I'm, I'm, I'm trying to make a point here. Um, I have a lot of people who, when they talk about people who are wrongly imprisoned, they go, well, they can't really complain they got out. Two things. Two things always to keep in mind. One is that when they went in, they didn't know they are getting out. And number two, the time they spent in prison is worth something. My time is valuable. I'm sure your time is valuable too. And so you are actually, uh, I believe, um, really underplaying it if you go, oh, that's no big deal, spend a couple years in prison, 10 years, 15, whatever it might be. No, no big deal. Uh, Most people value their time to where if I said, oh, we're going to lock you up for a couple of years. How much, how much is that worth? How much, how much do you want to be locked up for a couple of years? I've had people tell me like, oh, I, you know, that wouldn't take that much money. I, I, it's free money. That of course is something you can say now because you're not in prison. But number two, because if you got locked up and you knew there was an end in sight, you might say, well, that's not as bad. This guy heard the jail door slam shut and had been told you're going to be executed. And that was for something he knew he did not do. So it's a crazy case. And I think it's one of those things 
When something like this gets publicized, it probably causes a lot of prosecutors and a lot of detectives go, ooh, we got to dial it back a little bit. And I remember a big expose written by one of the big papers here in Detroit about a jailhouse informant. There was one guy who kept popping up over and over again in cases where one detective was involved in the investigation. And that was part of this guy's M.O. So he would investigate a crime, make an arrest, put the person in jail, go through the file, and go, eh, I, need, I need more. They go find this guy, the jailhouse informant, is this what he's good at, put him in the jail cell, next thing you know, boom, we got a confession. We got a confession. And the interesting thing is, and I hinted at this earlier, is that if you simply put somebody into the cell and say, get the guy to talk to you, if the guy doesn't talk, the jailhouse informant can't make up stuff that would be convincing because what would he be able to make up and get right about the case? And the allegation was, well, the detective will tell the guy, look, this guy's saying he didn't do it. He, he, he's, he's sticking to his guns in this one, and we know he did it. We know he did it. And so what I need you to do is I need you to go in there and get him to admit that he was at this particular location on this particular day, and he used this particular thing to commit this particular crime. And if you can get him to say any of those things to you, we're going to cut you some slack on what you're serving time for right now. Put the guy in the jail cell. Guy does not talk. And by the way, they never record these conversations either. It's the weirdest thing. And um, guy comes out and goes, yep, he admitted this, 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 and this. The four things that you wanted me to get him to admit, he admitted all four of them. Verbatim, in that order. <laughs> and some judges had even begun to notice. This one guy keeps popping up. How do you know the defendant? Oh, I was in a jail cell with him for one afternoon. While there, he told me everything. And the weird thing is that juries like jailhouse informants. There are certain things that juries are famous for liking, certain things are famous for not liking. And I've mentioned before, they also love video. If you have a video of an event, they'll ignore Everything people talk about when they say they just, you know, saw something happen. We just want to watch the video. Show us the video. Okay, they love videos. They also like jailhouse informants, despite the fact that it should be painfully obvious how easy it is to come up with one. And all you do is, like I said, you find a guy who wants some time cut off his sentence and get him to agree to go sit in a jail cell for an afternoon and then come out after having gotten that guy to confess to everything. And they had jailhouse informants who claimed that guys had confessed to crimes that later were proven, number one, to be committed by somebody else. But number two, this person had an airtight alibi with like 10 witnesses. They're in another state. Yeah, but the jailhouse informant, that guy confessed to it. If he was in another state with 10 witnesses, would he have confessed to that? I don't think so. Convict him. And like I said, juries love that. So it's, it's crazy. But as of right now, in this particular case in Louisiana, the prosecutor is not entitled to immunity in the fabricated evidence suit because in his role as prosecutor it's not his job to fabricate evidence and it's amazing it takes a court of appeals to say that so bloomberglaw.com ran the story philip senate thanks a lot prosecutor not entitled to immunity in fabricated evidence suit and i will follow up on this if i get more updates questions or comments put them below let's talk to you later bye-bye thank you for watching lato's law a cynic knows the price of everything and the value of nothing.